Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We had all the guys, Neil and Roger, John, myself, Bob Duco. Hey guys, how are you? Great. good, Bob. Thanks. Doing great, Bob. How are good. you? Good. Good. Good talking to you guys. Good catching up with you. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did an episode about the Biden administration wanting to pay off student loan debt. Uh, we talked about that and then some other things. We're going to do a little bit of a follow-up on that, but then we're going to go into a deeper discussion about college and how we should look at college. Should Christians even send their kids to college these days? Got to thinking about this because NBC News ran this report showing there's been a dramatic reduction in the amount of people going to college these days. Well, look, I don't, I'll don't. i play my cards good. I say it's a good thing. I, I, I'm pretty anti-college, but I know not everybody's going to agree with that, and so we're going to get into that. But before we do, uh, let's kind of do a follow-up recap on the, the paying off of student loans uh, as we go around the table here. And, Neil, maybe we could start with you. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, of course, out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, I still think this is just such a wrong thing to do for the Biden administration to try to pay off $10,000 worth of student loan debt. By the way, just so you know, my mortgage, my home loan identifies as a student loan. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm thinking and assuming I should be able to get that paid off. But, oh, my goodness. And, you know, I mean, I don't see I, – I can't even imagine a Republican administration saying we're going to pay off the debts of a particular demographic – that happens to overwhelmingly vote Republican. Like, we're going to pay off all the church mortgages in this country, or we're going to pay off all of the pro-life pregnancy center mortgages, or we're going to pay their bills. No, you can't do that. You're deliberately trying to give a favor to your own voting block. Well, in the colleges, let's face it, the overwhelming majority of people going to colleges today and with student loans uh, either are liberal Democrats or they wind up liberal Democrats. So it seems like this is just right. a huge favor to his own base. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess it's one way to purchase votes. I mean, that's obviously yeah. how many Americans are looking at that whole thing. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And then, you know, it's interesting that the Biden administration hasn't really answered and refuses to answer the question, who's going to actually pay for this whole thing? Right. Well, we know the answer to that. It's a bit rhetorical. I mean, taxpayers are going to pay for it. The middle class is going to pay for it. Right. And it's unconscionable to think that, you know, without congressional approval, without any way to, I mean, how do, how do the American people push back on that? Like, these aren't elected officials other than the than President Biden himself. This wasn't no act of Congress. This was a decision by the President of the United States. So uh, it's pretty disheartening. It's it's angry and maddening for a lot of people. And especially, I think, I mean, my, my kids paid their own way through school. Uh, it's how mm-hmm. we set it up. We, we helped a little bit. Otherwise, they paid their own way and they paid off their own loans. And all of them are free and clear now. Um, but they were responsible. If you take out a loan, you pay back a loan. It's pretty simple. It's a one-two process. So I, I know that there's an awful lot of angry people in the United States and people that feel abused and used. So we'll see how that plays out in November. But I think that uh, the Biden administration and Democrats are hoping that it counts for votes for them. 
Right. Which uh, Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line, People's Republic of California. Do you think that will, in fact, buy votes? Because it sure is a slap in the face to all Americans, including liberal Democrats, who did pay off their student loans responsibly. Yeah, it, it absolutely will. And uh, we're coming from the People's Republic of California, of course, where we lead the league in handouts when mm-hmm. it comes to freebies and things of that nature. To, to Neil's point, uh, my three kids um, are all the product of the community college and the state university system when it came to their undergraduate work, which they paid for. Uh, they did take out student loans on occasion. There were some uh, scholarship monies available, but they went to school side by side with kids who were in the same socioeconomic class as them, but because of their demographic, you know, because of their family of origin, because they were the quote unquote first in their family to go to college, they got all sorts of free money handed to them. And you know, what's interesting about it is when you see the freebies versus they had to work for it. I'm not suggesting that people shouldn't be able to get scholarships or grants or whatever they're available. And quite frankly, a lot of schools have things set up for particular walks of life and, you know, what field of study you want to go for. You're crazy not to surf the Internet and try to find that stuff. I mean, you know, for a couple hours work making some pokes and clicks, you can find ten to twenty thousand dollars worth of scholarship money if you want to go, you know, look for it and work for it. But it's amazing to me to see the the kids that my kids went to school with. This is anecdotal. Um, and see which ones are actually thriving in their adult years. And it's the ones who had to work for it themselves that actually are. And the ones who got the, well, uh, your family's from Taiwan. And so you're the first, you know, Asian American in your family to go to college. And so here's a, you know, full ride to Cal State, whatever. And they're not really thriving. I mean, in their their young adult years, in their early 30s now, they're just because they're still kind of waiting for somebody to hand them something, you know. And I think that it does send the wrong message. Another message it does send now to us is that in the electorate, as far as the Democrat Party goes, completely naked and unashamed in how they're trying to buy people off. I mean, they don't even try to hide it now. I mean, the fact that, like to Neil's point, everyone knows where this half trillion dollars is going to come from. I mean, it's coming from increased taxes. Uh, They won't call it taxes. It'll be called user fees and, you know, things like that, Mm -hmm. that they'll use to to pad the coffers. And again, all they have to do is tell their base. This is the thing that kills me. They have to do is tell their base, well, we're we're reducing inflation and we're lowering medical costs and, and we'll pay for it somewhere with all of our brilliant strategizing. Pay no attention to the $30 trillion in debt we've already piled up, you know, over the past how many years, but this is, it's, it's just, it's a naked power grab. uh, And the fact that the, you know, the Fuhrer, I mean, the president made the announcement, you know, last week, we're going to tackle democracy and we're going to battle MAGA and we're going to solve all the world's problems before November 8th. It's pretty much disingenuous, but the big concern, I think, for all of us is that half of America actually believes it. You know, it's funny, too, when you talk about how they are just blatantly lying about things. You know, Roger, I remember the good old days when the Democrats and the media used to be more subtle in the way that they would present dishonesty. But now they remind me of... Okay, this is going to be really obscure, so pardon pardon my uh, my obscurity here. But there was an old Saturday Night Live skit a while back. This is when Saturday Night Live still knew how to be funny, uh, where Norm MacDonald, the late, great Norm MacDonald, uh, played Burt Reynolds on this Celebrity Jeopardy skit. Uh, and it was basically a parody of Jeopardy. And uh, so they would have these different celebrities, uh, Saturday Night Live characters that would play famous celebrities. One of them played Sean Connery, and he would always make the same joke to the, the guy playing Alex Trebek. You know, that's not what your mother said. You know, this type of thing. But the, 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 the guy who played Burt Reynolds, uh, Norm MacDonald, when they would write their name on the screen, instead of writing Burt Reynolds, he wrote the name Turd Ferguson. 
And I, it was a kind of a funny skit because uh, I think it was Will Ferrell playing uh, an exasperated uh, Alex Trebek. It's like, uh, your name is not Turd Ferguson. And he, and it's Burt Reynolds. He would go, yeah, it is. He said, no, <laughs> your name is Burt Reynolds. That's your opinion. No, it's not. You know, and just just blatantly lying like that. Well, I look at today's Democratic Party, and Roger, you were mentioning inflation. Okay, Joe Biden just a few weeks ago claimed that there is zero inflation. Okay, that that there's no inflation right now. Hillary Clinton just tweeted yesterday the amount of classified email in my unsecured server was zero. There was zero classified email. It's like the Inspector General reports that uh, no, there were 193. But she just tweeted zero and put them all in all caps. So they're just it, you're absolutely right, Roger. There comes a point where the Democratic Party of today, they don't care about subtlety. They just flat out blatantly say whatever they want to say. And uh, John, we can toss it over to you. John Rush rushed reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, they don't even try to hide this no. anymore. So a uh, combination of that and then your quick thoughts on the whole student loan ridiculousness. Well, it all plays into each other. I mean, reality is, and we've been saying this now for a while, their, their true stripes, you know, the true colors are really coming out right now. This is really what they're doing has been no secret to most of us, us four especially. Uh, you know, it's just their true colors are showing. And you know, blatantly lying. I mean, frankly, guys, it happens on a daily basis. It doesn't matter whether it's a White House press conference, it's the if it's the people speaking for the president or the president himself. And and I just I can't believe there's that many people out there willing to believe the lies. I, I really do think that come November there's gonna be a rude awakening for a lot of those folks in the party. By the way, I do think there's some folks in the party that understand what we're saying. And I think there's some people there that are even pushing back. Maybe that's another podcast that that are pushing back that don't particularly care for the direction the party's going, but they're being you know, they're being silenced by that that hardcore radical left that want things done their way. And let you know, let's face it, keep in mind everybody that party ran on this student loan forgiveness thing all along. Even though there was some backpedaling from Biden, you know, throughout the campaign, the reality is that hardcore left has been pushing for this. And frankly, they want all student debt gone. This is just a stepping stone for, I think, is what to come. This is the first step in this. There's, there, this will not be the last you're going to see of this. Right. And, and no, but notice, again, it's student debt that they want gone. Uh, that's but right. what is the difference between student debt and credit card debt? It's still debt that's difficult None. for people to pay their bills. But here's right. the big... No, but I'll tell you what, John. Here's the difference, okay? Credit card debt is equally distributed between Republican and Democrat voters. Mortgages are equally distributed between Republican and Democrat voters. Car loans, installment loans are equally distributed, yeah. okay? However, True. student loans are disproportionately taken out by liberal Democrats. Not all liberal Democrats, but disproportionately, that's the largest percentage of them. The sure. people that graduate college sure. and have student loan debt, take a survey of them, you're going to find 90 plus percent of them are liberal Democrat, okay? Debt is debt, but for some reason, this debt is special debt that has to have the government pay Well, this off. is your voting-based debt. Right. It's exactly what it is. You know, that's so I, how people don't see this is just is. Well, and by the me. way, I think a lot do. I mean, it's funny. I was on vacation last week. You guys knew I took a few days off and you know, you always talk to folks while you're there. And I always try to talk, not 
not necessarily politics, but just you know, never tell anybody what I do. I want to be anonymous because I just want to get the feel of what other people think about certain right. things going on in the world. And I will tell you, all but one liberal couple that we happen to speak with, which nice couple, by the way, they're just very, very wrong in their entire thought process. That's another conversation for another day. But mm. outside of that one couple, there's not another single person there that we talk to that, that is not saying the same things we are right now, by the way. Hmm, interesting. Uh, let's do this. We're going to shift this discussion to a more general discussion about college itself and how should Christians and Christian parents be looking at the idea of college today? Is college worth it or not? Uh, it's in light of this NBC News story we're going to be talking about, and that's coming up next. Right now, though, I do want to ask everybody listening to us, uh, if you have not yet donated to Preborn, we're hoping that you'll do it now. Now, a lot of you have. And we appreciate that. We really do. But I know there are a lot of you that uh, listen to this podcast and you enjoy it. And we thank you for your listenership. But bottom line, I know you're pro-life, but what have you done and what can you do and what would you be willing to do to save some babies' lives, to actually really stop abortions? Well, you can do that if you'll donate money to Preborn. Here's how it works. Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across this country, and they have for a long time, and they show ultrasound images of those unborn babies to the moms. And those moms choose life overwhelmingly when they see an ultrasound image, but it takes money to do that. Folks, the average cost to save one baby's life is $28. $28 is the average cost to stop an abortion. So we're asking everybody listening right now, would you donate one time $280 to stop 10 abortions, to save 10 babies' lives? Would you do that? It's a 100% tax write-off for you, and 100% of the proceeds go right to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. It's this simple. You can go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and just click on the Preborn tab, and you can donate right there online. Uh, if you want to donate over the phone, you can give them a call right now at 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY, and they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So what do you say? Would you do that right now? Let's let's save some babies' lives. Okay. And by the way, if you could do more than 280, do more than 280. Uh, maybe you could do 2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. Be a nice legacy for your business or for your family. But whatever it is, uh, go right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. We appreciate you folks doing that. Let's talk about college. Uh, this NBC News story says uh, the headline, quote, why Americans are increasingly dubious about going to college. The subheading is an alarming number of people are rejecting college and it could widen the fissures already polarizing American society. And you read through the report and it's basically saying that over the course of the last really several years, the amount of uh, young people that are saying, I'm going to go to college is going down and down and down. Now, personally, my view on this, uh, I'm a pretty anti-college guy. So, And I know you guys have had your kids go to college, and so it's, so it's going to be a very interesting discussion here. Uh, but to me, college has just never been worth it for, well, I shouldn't say never, but, but in the last generation, I don't think it's been worth it for two main reasons. Reason number one, the overwhelming majority of people that go to college go to college for the experience, not because they have a targeted purpose. Uh, you know, somebody wants to be specifically a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. Okay, fine. You got to get your college degree for that laser focus. 
But most kids going to college don't have laser focus. They go to college for the experience and or, or they have an idea, here's what they want to do, but they end up changing their majors while they're in college. So they come out of college, they don't make all the extra money that they expected to make in many cases, but now, of course, they're riddled with a whole bunch of college debt and student loans that they have to pay off. So number one, financially, I don't think it's the big payoff uh, for everybody that we've been conditioned to believe that it is. But then number two, and this is the most important concern that I have, uh, colleges today are nothing more than liberal, left-wing, godless breeding machines that, that end up producing a bunch of uh, liberal, left-wing, uh, anti-Christian, anti-Bible, or former Christians. And it's such a such a negative and dangerous minefield that I really have to ask, even if it did financially pay off more than it does, uh, is it really worth the spiritual health of our kids to send them into college knowing full well what the statistics are? And that's one of the reasons why I'll just, I'll lay it on the line. With all seven of my kids, well, I lost my daughter when she was 17, so she couldn't, didn't make it to college age. But of my six boys, Every single one of them, I actively discouraged college because I I told them point blank, uh, if I had a choice, and I actually said this to all of my boys, if I had a choice between you becoming a millionaire or really successful financially but not walking with the Lord or being a 40-year-old loser working at McDonald's as a fry cook, living in mom and dad's basement, but at least you were on your knees giving your life to Jesus Christ. I'd rather you be that guy if I had to choose between the two, even though I'd prefer a third option. Get rich, take care of mom and dad, and follow the Lord. But but your, your eternity is way more important than any amount of money that you can earn, and it's just not worth it uh, in college. And uh, and so I actually discourage it. None of my boys have gone to college. You know what? They're all doing very well. So that's been my attitude. I don't want to pretend that that's the only way to look at it for everybody, but what I would like to do is kind of go around the table and have a discussion on this. So uh, here's what I want to do. Uh, we're going to take another short break, and uh, we're going to ask you one more time to donate to Preborn. Then we're going to go around the table. We're going to launch this discussion about whether college is worth it or not. And as Christians, how should we look at it? So that's coming up next. First, though, folks, I do want to remind you, as we mentioned before, please donate to Preborn. Please save some babies' lives. It's only $28 to stop one abortion. That's the average cost. And preborn does this by showing ultrasound images to unborn babies, uh, of unborn babies to their moms all over the country. And you know, last year alone, 2021, preborn was responsible for saving the lives of 43,669 babies. And you know, along the way, there were 7,986 decisions for Jesus Christ among those moms. So this is a great way to spend your money, folks. So here's what you do. $280 stops 10 abortions. Would you prayerfully consider doing that right now? You can donate online. Just go to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab, and you can donate right there, crawfordmediagroup.net. Or if you want to donate by phone, they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call right now, 833-850-BABY. All right, give them a call, 833 850 baby. 
but uh, let's let's stop these abortions, okay? Let, let's let's really take some tangible effort to uh, to save some babies' lives. And it doesn't cost that much money to do it. So do that now, please. Uh, again, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab. So let's talk about whether college is worth it. Uh, John, let me start with you. We know that uh, Roger and uh, Neil, uh, their kids went to college, okay? And I'm certainly not condemning that. Don't get me wrong. I just This is just what uh, the decision that we made inside our home. Your thoughts on this? Did your kids go to college? And uh, what do you think? Of, is college worth it today financially? And is it worth it today spiritually? You know, probably a discussion each family has to have among themselves. Right. Uh, I don't know that I would make a a, and typically, I'm a blanket statement kind of guy. In this case, I don't think I'd make a blanket statement, even in our own family. And granted, I will say that you know the the last kid that graduated high school or graduated uh, college would have been eight years ago now. So mm-hmm. you know things have changed dramatically even in the past eight years. So while we had kind of a hodgepodge, some of our kids did go to college. You know, we've we've got a nurse, we've got one that went to the Marines, we've got one that became a psychologist. We, I mean, we've got them kind of all over the place as far as what they each one did. And in some of their professions, the nurse especially, you know, you're not going to get that without, you know, going to college. It just is what it is. If you want to get into that profession, as you said earlier, Bob, you have to do that. On the same token, I I never went. My wife never went. I mean, the reality is, you know, I'm not saying I'm successful by any stretch of the imagination, but do you have to go to college to be successful? Absolutely not. You do not have to go to college to be successful. There are many avenues that, that folks can take, not only the trades, but other things you can do to be, quote unquote, successful and provide a living for your family. <clears throat> and actually, you know, to Bob, you said earlier, you, you can become wealthy and not go to college. In fact, a lot of the wealthiest people in this world never had a formal education. So the reality is uh, education does not equal wealth. And I think that's a misconception in the world today. Now, backing all of that up to say, if I was a younger parent, and I had, you know, college-age students or seniors in high school right now. Would I be looking at it completely different than I did when I raised my kids? Absolutely, Bob. There would be heavy discussions on what do you do, where do you go? Even because even the Christian colleges guys have changed dramatically from what they were even ten years ago. So mm-hmm. this would be a really hard discussion, Bob. And frankly, I'm glad I'm not raising kids right now because this would be a tough one to go through. Because I'm I'm really probably more on your side. It's not a have to. In fact, unless you can really take that degree and go do something with it, why are you going? Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what. Uh, that was my attitude uh, 20 years ago, okay? So you can imagine how much stronger sure. that attitude of mine sure. is now. Uh, but And you're absolutely right, John. It's gotten progressively, pun intended, worse uh, just over the course of the last five to 10 years even. Uh, but and really me, quick, Bob, really quick, I want to yeah. add to that. And, and the reason for that, and I hope everybody understands this, is when the government got into the student loan business, that's mm-hmm. when it got all screwed up, guys. I mean, not that it wasn't screwed up prior, Bob, but all you did was pour gasoline on it at that point. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. Uh Neil, let me ask you about this. Uh, Neil Boron, and I, and I actually, let's do this if we could. I'd kind of like to segment these to talk about, uh, is it financially worth it first? And then in the second half of the podcast, maybe we'll go uh, do a deeper dive into the spiritual risks involved in this. But what about the financial part of this, uh, Neil? People are so conditioned to believe that you can't make it financially Unless you have a college degree. And I know that there are some businesses 
that will say, hey, it's, it's part of our corporate policy. You have to have a college degree or else we're not going to consider hiring, hiring you. Well, you know, okay, so I, fine, fine, so, you know, on you. I'll, I'll just move on. I'll look for somebody else, somewhere else to go. But it seems to me that if you get into a company, uh, if you apply yourself, if you work hard, uh, if you have a good, strong work ethic, if you basically incorporate the right attitude at what you're doing, you should be able to work your way up in just about, not every field, but just about every field. Uh, and so I just really question whether college is financially is worth it as we've been conditioned to believe. Yeah, it's a great question. And there's so many variables to it that it's kind of impossible to just pin it down. I'm glad you're segmenting, by the way, the financial aspect versus the spiritual because those yeah. are two huge right. issues. They are. Um, just a couple of thoughts off the top of my head. I had the blessing, the privilege of going to college absolutely free. I went on a full athletic scholarship to Boston University, which at the time was somewhere in the neighborhood of $6,000 tuition, but you know, room and board and everything was about 10 grand. Today, it's $80,000 a year. So you graduate from there after four years, you're looking at $320,000. And if you, part of that is loans, you're looking at you know $150,000, $200,000 in loans. It's unbelievable. Um, and then think about that. By the way, let me just say, I, I got an undergraduate degree in mass communications and went on to graduate school on a three-quarter academic scholarship, which is nigh unto impossible. How I I started with a 1.7 at BU my first semester freshman year. So how I graduated with honors and got an academic scholarship, only God could have helped with that situation. But the reality is um, I was blessed to be able to go right through, get a master's degree and the whole thing. And I will say, honestly, I've used almost none of anything I learned in school for what I do daily in my job. And most of you guys, I think, would agree. I think all of you would agree that radio is very much an apprenticeship medium. Depends what you're doing. If you want to be the general manager, that's different. But if you end up working in programming on air, you have to learn it by doing it. And so there's an awful lot of people in radio today that that don't do not have a college education. So was it worth it? Well, I didn't really have to pay for it. And it's kind of nice to have on the resume. So yeah, I guess it was worth it. And certainly the experiences. But would I have paid out of pocket for that same kind of thing, knowing that it wouldn't have really made any difference down the road as far as what I do professionally or how much I could have earned? Uh, I would never have done that. I would never have laid out that kind of cash. And it's, and there's, you know, I, so many things in my mind right now, but one of the things I wanted to say I just want to bring it up is the same way they apply metrics to baseball. You know, you might have a guy who's a great hitter. He's hitting over 300 and he's an exceptional, you know, he, he makes big hits at the right time, but he can't hit lefties at night on weekend games. You know, like mm. they have it all figured out. So they're not going to let that guy come in and be a pinch hitter late in the game because the metrics don't work on it. I would love for somebody to run the metrics and say, okay, so if you have a degree in this particular field, what chance do you have to earn, you know, over $60,000? How long will it take you to pay back the loans you're likely to have in the end? And is it worth it? And to begin putting out the real numbers on real college and university educations, like, and list the mm. schools. Like, if right. you go to this particular school and you study this kind of thing, here's what's actually going to happen. Because people are are oblivious to that kind of information, but they've been sold a bill of goods that said, right. you need this education if you're ever going to mount anything. One last thing real quick. Okay, and I'll tell you what, because we, we get about 20 okay. seconds at the bottom of the hour, just so you know. Well, just, yeah, okay, just that, you know, a lot of people in Little League are told that if you send your kid to that particular camp with a $300 composite bat, he's only eight years old, and he gets instruction from a professional athlete, he's got a chance to make it to the pros. The, the people buy into that the same way they buy into the idea that if you go to a prestigious university, you're going to make a lot of money. And a lot of yeah. kids flunk out after the first semester because they party the whole time. 
Uh, we are going to continue this discussion in the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And uh, we're going to hear in just a moment from Roger, get his take as we talk about whether college is worth it financially. Then we're going to shift and talk about if it's worth it spiritually as far as the risks involved. Uh, you can listen to the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast uh, online at crawfordmediagroup.net or at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also watch video of this podcast at myhopenow.com. Second half coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, with John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, with Roger Marsh of the Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. And we're talking this week about all things college. Uh, is college really worth it financially? Is college really worth it spiritually? Uh, there's this NBC News report that just came out showing there's been a dramatic decline in the amount of people going to college these days. And for my money, I say good. I, I think that's actually a healthy thing as far as the colleges uh, sending more of our kids to college. But let's talk about the financial part of it, though, first. Continue talking about this, and then we'll move to the, the spiritual dangers of this. But uh, Roger Marsh, bottom line, People's Republic of California. It's about as left-wing as it gets out there. But uh, a college degree, the California mindset is, well, of course you have to go to college. You can't do anything in life unless you have a college degree. Well, frankly, I just don't believe that that's true. But what are your thoughts in this day and age, Roger, financially about whether college makes sense? It depends on what you're going to school for. Uh, my Both my parents are in the academic world. My mom was a first grade teacher for 30 years. My dad was a high school teacher, and then he became an administrator. And my dad pursued advanced degrees simply because that's what he needed to to get, you know, as we've talked about before, there are certain professions, nursing, medicine, things like that, where you do need the advanced degree. But, you know, it's interesting what the conversation I had with my kids, because my sister became a registered nurse. My brother, Master's of Divinity, became a pastor. I studied business before I got into broadcasting. And so my education's been kind of piecemeal. And I remember the words my dad told me because his dad was blue collared, never went to college, barely finished high school. And he said, look, if you choose the path that is right for you and just whatever it is, be the best at what you're going to be. So if you need college or if you don't need college, of course, then they put a pretty heavy you know, pressure on us to all go to college. And I think I benefited from going to the state university that I did. But at the same time, what I told my kids coming up, I said, look, it has to be right for you. It has to be what God wants. It has to be you know, right for your careers. And when you think about it, I mean, in terms of the, the career choices that people are making right now, somewhere along the line, when we were all coming up, because we're all about the same age, I think it was something like 10, 15% of the population even went to college. I mean, there were, there were blue-collar jobs that they talked about that you could get into, and you could start earning at 18, 19 years of age. And if you managed your money right, you could do quite nicely. But when it came to college, college was four years max, and then you were in the workforce at 21, 22, 23 years of age. Somewhere along the road, you know, American parents were sold the bill of goods and they bought it that uh, col the college experience was huge. And I remember my uh, my son-in-law, my the oldest daughter, Emily's husband, Brian, uh, went to college for a couple of weeks and then decided it wasn't for him, started working full time. And when he was in his mid to late 20s, he started going back. I think he was 30 by the time he finally went back to school. And so when he finished his undergraduate degree, which has served him very well, he's no longer working at customer service at Costco. He's working for a, a, a high-end uh, organization uh, doing environmental uh, science. 
I remember how disappointed he was at graduation because he said, you know, I kind of wanted that college experience. I mean, I wanted the dorms. I wanted the fraternity. I wanted to live on campus, you know, and here I am now. I'm married and have a kid, which is great. But, you know, he didn't really get to celebrate, you know, with what with other people around him. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting because that's never the reason I would consider academia at all, you know, is the, the social side of it, unless there was a, a reason for getting ahead. But when it comes to the actual cost of it now, to Neil's point about uh, how much money you invest in something like this and the and the overall return on it, I think what we're seeing in this uh, MSNBC report kind of underlies it is the fact that more and more people are actually doing a cost benefit now. They're not just taking it lock, stock and barrel and saying, you have to go to college. I mean, Bob, to your point, John, to your point. Um, and I know for, for Lisa and me, I mean, our experiences are our college education has been helpful in terms of helping us to grow up and become better adults and more responsible citizens. But in terms of our work life, the apprenticeship thing that Neil was talking about is huge. I mean, we've been able to advance in our careers largely by doing and by showing on the job. And, and I would hate to think that we would be stuck with $320,000 worth of student loan debt for an undergraduate degree that's never going to pay off. And I think more and more people are, you know, it's funny, the, the article they even said, uh, this is uh, inexplicable. You know, we, we, we can't, we, we didn't see this coming. We have no idea why. Well, the four of us could have told them. We could have told mm -hmm. you 25 years ago why this is there, because inflation was going up 2% per year and the cost of college tuition went up 183%. I mean, everybody could see the collusion. To John's point, when you when you put the federal government involved, then all the schools, even the Christian schools, have seen their tuitions rise dramatically. And for what? I mean, is, is there a cost benefit there or are you just adding layers and layers of administration? So the, people are starting to just ask the question, what am I paying for? And all of a sudden the colleges are scrambling. Oh my gosh, 4 million fewer students this year than there were a couple of years ago. Well, duh. I mean, why, right. why would you go invest five, six, seven years at all that kind of money, knowing that by the time you graduate, all you're going to get is a diploma and a bill that you'll never be able to pay off. Right. And as we mentioned before, too, a lot of the diploma that you get, it's, it's not even what you originally, it wasn't targeted. It wasn't focused. It wasn't like, okay, well, here's specifically my lifelong dream is to be a, a medical doctor. And so I'm going to, you know, we're talking about people going to college usually for the experience and then aimlessly figuring out where they want to zero in on just so they get that college degree. And that piece of paper, it's just... I think about how how valuable that actually really is for what you pay for. I genuinely believe that there are most companies, not all, but most companies, you can get into them. And if you just work your way up, you, you outwork everybody else and you do a great job and conscientious and hard work ethic and everything else, honesty, integrity, the whole bit, the cream's going to rise to the top in most companies and that to 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 think of spending all of that money to get the piece of paper when you could have been getting the degree working for a company and getting a paycheck while basically learning something instead of paying somebody else to to get the piece of paper i just i just don't think it's worth it today but then that moves us to the to the spiritual danger here because we know first of all politically Colleges are overwhelmingly liberal left-wing. I mean, you know that. You, you could take any survey in a college campus and overwhelmingly, we know that those those kids vote Democrat when they do go vote. We know that they're pro-abortion overwhelmingly. We know they're certainly pro-LGBT and transgenderism and that whole movement. They just, they buy into the Marxist indoctrination. The faculty 
are overwhelmingly liberal Democrats, socialist Marxist. And so, of course, they are shaping the worldview of these kids. Uh, so to me, I, yes, I'm concerned about I don't want my kids going to college and coming out of college being diehard liberal Democrats, but I'm way, way, way more concerned about them going to college and coming out of college, quote unquote, former Christians. And so to me, college is a spiritual minefield that is just not worth it, especially, and John, I'm going to toss it over to you. When we look, John, at at the uh, the statistics that show the percentage of kids that are raised in Christian homes that mm-hmm. by the time they're 20, 21 years old, consider themselves, quote unquote, former Christians or unchurched or the the nuns, if you will, N-O-N-E-S. Right. Uh, I've talked to Ron Luce and many of these uh, teen ministry organizations. Here's the average, John, uh, anywhere from on the low end, 65%, on the high end, 90%. So somewhere between two-thirds and 90% statistically of all Christian kids raised in Christian homes are going to be quote-unquote non-Christian by the time they're in their early 20s. In college, if they go to college, the numbers are on the high end of that. Uh, the fact is, that to me, I, I, that's way too much of a risk. You know what? I would rather my kids be general laborers the rest of their lives and keep their spiritual life and their faith in Jesus Christ intact. And you don't have to be a physical laborer the rest of your life without college anyway. But to me, it's a spiritual minefield. I just don't think it's worth the risk, John. I it really very much don't. is. No, no. It, it, and this was a conversation that we had uh, with with our kids, you know, back when you know college was being discussed, and again, some some went, some didn't, and we had a mixture. Some went to Christian college, some went to uh, you know CU up here in Boulder. Of course, the ones that went to CU, they were also you know still living at home, and they didn't live in the dorms or anything, so they were home at night. So you know, honestly, those were pretty easy. You were able to keep checks on pretty much everything that was going on, you know, through that. And and those two, I will tell you right now, are. Top-notch Christian kids, great families. They they you know got great grandkids because of all of that, and still you know still serving the Lord to this day. So I'm not saying that you can't go to a public college and come out a Christian on the other end. This still comes back to guys, and always will. Parental involvement. What's going on? My biggest fear when you just send a kid off to college, and I think that's mm-hmm. the key word. You're sending them off. Well, off to what, Bob? To your point, off to a bunch of liberal teachers that are going to mm-hmm. fill their minds with all sorts of garbage that's against everything I have taught for the past 18 years of their life. If that's the case, then no, count me out. I don't want my kids going, much to what you're, what you're talking about. Again, these are conversations families really need to have, and you know the spiritual direction of your kids, frankly, it never goes away from the time they're born until the time either they or I die. The reality right. is I'm still responsible. I'm still going to have input into that. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to talk some more about this, get Roger and Neil in on this as well. Uh, This National Crawford Roundtable podcast devoted to college and the pros and cons of it from a Christian perspective. Uh, Of course, you go to a college, you know everybody there is overwhelmingly pro-abortion, right? And we know Roe v. Wade has been overturned, but guess what? That doesn't mean abortion is illegal in this country. Abortions are still happening. And as believers in Christ, folks, we need to do everything we can to stop abortions, to reduce abortions. And one great way to do that 
is by donating to Preborn. Now, Preborn's a pro-life ministry. They've been around for a long time, and they partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country, showing ultrasound images of unborn babies to the expectant moms. And those moms overwhelmingly choose life if they can just see an ultrasound image of their baby. That's why Planned Parenthood, they don't want to show ultrasound images because they know full well they're going to lose a sale if they do that. That's why it's so important for us to get these images in front of moms. But it takes money, folks. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion, to save one baby's life. So that's why we're asking everybody right now listening to this podcast, would you prayerfully consider donating $280 to save 10 babies' lives? Would you make that decision right now? It's this simple. Just go online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. And you can click on the preborn tab. And right there, donate online. $280, and you get to know you're stopping 10 abortions. Isn't that worth it? Maybe you can do more than that. If you could do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives, that would be a great legacy for your family or for your business. And can I just say... These ultrasound machines are expensive. It takes $15,000 to buy one ultrasound machine. Is there somebody listening right now? God has blessed you financially. Or maybe you've got a business you'd like a nice tax write-off for 2022. Would you consider buying an ultrasound machine for preborn? Your legacy will be stopping thousands and thousands of abortions. What do you say, huh? But for everybody else, $280 one time. 10 babies' lives. So go to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. Do that right now. Crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the preborn tab. You can donate right there. And 100% of what you donate goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. You can also donate, donate over the phone. Just give them a call at 833 850 baby. And they man the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can call right now, 833 850 baby. Uh, but let's save some babies' lives, huh? As we talk about college and the ups and downs, pros and cons of it, uh, on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, myself, Bob Duco, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron. So, uh, Roger, let me go to you on this and talk with you about the and get your take on the spiritual dangers at play here. As I mentioned before, we know the statistics: somewhere between two thirds and ninety percent of all kids raised in Christian homes end up unchurched part of the nuns by the time they're in their early 20s. Now, you're a pastor, as is Neil, okay? As a pastor, you know what you know how heartbreaking it is to, to, to see a bunch of 14, 15, and 16-year-olds back in the youth group, but then five years later, not seeing them as 19 and 20-year-olds in the congregation. And it's not because they're at a church down the street. It's because usually they have outgrown the mythology that mom and dad believe in. Uh, the, the educated college professors with half, half the alphabet after their name, they recognize that, hey, those college professors, I may not love them the way that I love mom and dad, but I do recognize they're smarter than mom and dad. But I don't want to tell mom and dad the truth because I don't want to break their heart. Uh, but, but the fact is that these college professors have taught these kids that the Bible is really a bunch of mythology, that mom and dad, I love them, but they still believe in the tooth fairy. Okay, that's fine, but now I'm educated and I'm beyond that. Uh, thankfully, many of these prodigals do come back 
uh, to the Lord when they get older, but many of them do not. This, to me, is Russian roulette with the eternal salvation of our kids. And frankly, Roger, I just don't think it's worth it. I know that's a harsh take on this, but your thoughts on the spiritual minefield that colleges are today for our kids. Well, I, I agree with you 100%, Bob, but let's let's put it in perspective because uh, I think of the words of Jay Warner Wallace, the cold case uh, sure. Christianity guy, who <clears throat> he and I were having a conversation one time on the program about about that very issue, you know, and why are so many kids, you know, getting turned out in college? And he said, they're not getting turned out in college, they're getting turned off in the fourth grade. They're getting turned off in the third grade. I mean, the foundation that they were built or that their, their faith was built upon was so flimsy that the first time anybody came over with any sort of challenge for it, they didn't have an answer. And I think that's the biggest problem that parents are facing right now is we've taken our kids to get involved in things, you know, to do certain activities and to act a certain way. And if, if the t faith is never tested, if it's never challenged, if they don't have to be David, you know, going out there against Goliath with the five. I mean, quite frankly, mm -hmm. then, then what, what is it worth? And I think what we're finding as we're asking the question, what is a college education worth? Well, if you're a Christian college, you know, and, and a lot of times here in Southern California, we've had some great Christian colleges over the years that have tried to play the woke game, tried to be inclusive, tried to be welcoming. And they'll say they're trying to do it because it's to build community. But the reality is, if you follow the money, you find out, well, gosh, we're not going to be able to get Pell Grants used at our school if we don't play this game with the state. And we're not going to be able to get veterans loans if we don't get played this game. We won't be able to get federal funding and student loans. And we need that money. So by golly, we'll see if we can toe the line. One leading Christian university here in town, I won't mention their name, actually had a 60 plus million dollar endowment at one point. And because they tried to play that game, they wound up, uh, they've, they've gone through a really tough time trying to balance that act of, sure, the gay students can come here. Sure, we'll honor same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage, you know, that type of stuff, and still be a Christian university. The, the name of the game, first and foremost, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa is children's responsibility, the responsibility for raising children in the Lord belongs to parents first and foremost. And if we don't do a good enough job when they're younger, then we send them off to college. It doesn't matter where we send them. Some school that's Christian in name only uh, is going to be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous than that secular university that it does not honor God, does not revere biblical values, that doesn't believe in anything uh, that, that would, we would consider to be moral truth. And yet at the same time, we understand that you know, the left that talks about being so open and welcoming and inclusive and tolerant isn't. There's one way, it's their way or the highway, and if you don't line up with every single point that they line up with, they will attack and attack and attack some more until you're done. I think of the uh, college professor, what was his name, Mike Adams, uh, who years ago, went. he wasn't even, I don't know if he was a Christian, but he went from being liberal college professor to a conservative, and the, the, the venom that the left had for him eventually, he wound up taking his own life, you know, because it was just, it was so intense. So... For, it's foolish for us as Christian parents and especially grandparents who might be being asked to help foot the bill for sending our grandkids to college. Um, it, it's foolish for us not to see the dangers that are there on college campuses right now, ideologically or otherwise. But unfortunately, what they will also do is they'll expose some of the weaknesses in the way that we have sown the seed of faith in the hearts of our young people. And we have to be prepared to see what the results of that are going to be. Right. That is a very good point. And, and Neil, to, to Roger's point, look, I, I think Jay Warner Wallace is, is right that, uh, that, that the faith that the kids that our kids have, okay, their belief in Jesus Christ, it starts getting chipped away in childhood. And so by the time they go to college, they've already had a lot of attacks on their faith and questions about their faith and such. So that is very true. Uh, Adam, so I'm not. I'm not going to say Neil that 
college begins the process of chipping away at the Christian faith of these kids. But I'll tell you what, at an absolute minimum, I think it solidifies it. I think it, I think it hardens the the clay that uh, that these kids start uh, start questioning what they believe. And by the time they come out of college, they are hardened in a way that maybe they weren't going into before. I, I just, as I mentioned before, I really see college as spiritual Russian roulette with our kids these days. And I, I just... It's just, it's not worth it to me. It's just flat out not worth the risk. But uh, I'd like your take on this spiritually. Well, again, I think variables come into play. And I appreciate a lot of what Roger said simply because uh, of the importance that parents understand that the responsibility for raising godly, uh, godly kids ultimately falls on them. And yet, I totally am sympathetic with what you're saying, Bob, because, I mean, when you go to a a college or university, I mean, even a mature adult Christian who, like, decided to go back to college is going to be up against an onslaught of, you know, pro-gay, LGBTQ, uh, anti-Christian, anti-American, pro-abortion propaganda. I mean, it's they're going to be overwhelmed with that kind of stuff. Yeah, let alone an 18-year-old who's been groomed by that for the last 15 years. But, you know, one of the variables is if you stay home from school, you still have access to the Internet, and there's all kinds of stuff flying around on the Internet today. And so the reason I'm saying this is, you know, my son, uh, we, we made decision to send two of our kids to public schools. The third one we kept home, I'm sorry, we, we sent kept in a Christian school, largely because his peer group, his closest friends, were kids that he'd gone to Christian school with from you know, kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, he still resents the fact that he didn't get to play football because the Christian school didn't have a football program. And so, you know, we hear about that every time the issue comes up. But, uh, you know, my son, Zach, uh, who's now my producer today, you know, got caught up with the wrong crowd in high school and ended up getting involved in drug abuse. We didn't know about it till it was virtually too late. He was hooked on opiates and one step away from using heroin. When he finally, I mean, he'd made steps towards Christ. He'd made a profession of faith. I baptized him as about a 12-year-old, but uh, around the age of 18, um, gave his life to Christ full out, turned his back on, on the drug use, which we, at that point, on the very day we found out that he was using drugs is the day that he gave his life to Christ. But, mm-hmm. you know, he had to walk the hard road of going through uh, withdrawal and the whole thing. I mean, but he was radically saved that day. And we count that as the day that he was saved because that's the day he says he gave his life fully to Christ. Um, my point is we would have never chosen that for him. And I don't know if if keeping him in a Christian school would have helped prevent that. I'm not sure. You know, maybe it had to do with character flaws in his own life or inconsistencies he was seen in the home. Um, but I think it all comes into play. And, and in the end, God's grace was sufficient to call him to faith in Christ. And today he's thriving in his relationship with the Lord. He's got a wife and two kids. He's my producer at the radio station. But all I'm saying is, like, I, I think I want to say to parents, now that I've, I've raised three kids and I've got four grandkids, you know, and any parents listening, if you're young parents, um, first and foremost, we want to protect our kids. That's for sure. But parenting matters. And what they see in our own behavior, like Roger was talking about the fourth grader who begins to see his you know, foundation eroding, sometimes that's because of inconsistencies in the home where the parents aren't in the word. Parents aren't sharing their faith in Christ. They're only going to church out of obligation. I'm not saying across the board that's true, but if it's true, that, that, that's a factor that weighs into this whole thing. So I think we, we as parents need to be incredibly prayerful about, is my child ready to go to college? Are they ready to go to a secular university? And, and yeah, there's some real problems with Christian schools, too, that are moving towards, you know, 
woke kind of thinking and liberal ideology and the whole thing. I don't know that there's a perfect answer. I think John Rush said that at the beginning. There's no cookie cutter kind of thing, but I'm very concerned about the kind of influence that college can have on young people. And I know that it contributes in a major way towards the number of kids that are walking away from the faith or just utterly deconstructing, as they call it. Absolutely. Hang on just a moment. We're going to wind down our conversation coming up next on this. But uh, in the meantime, remember, folks, you hear us mentioning throughout the podcast, and we're going to continue mentioning throughout the podcast, we are not going to give up on stopping abortions. We are not. The fight continues, folks. So I'm asking everybody that's listening to us right now, have some skin in the game, okay? Stop some abortions in a tangible way. You can do this by donating to Preborn. Remember, Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country to show ultrasound images of those unborn babies to the expectant moms. And those moms choose life when they see ultrasound images, okay? It takes money to do this. So $28 stops one abortion on average. That's the cost. So $280 will save 10 babies' lives. Will you donate $280 right now one time? Uh, to preborn, and 100% of what you donate goes to fund ultrasounds. Nothing for overhead. Okay, so this is preborn. They've been doing this a long time, all over the country. So here's what you do: go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. You can donate right there online, or you can donate over the phone. Just go right now to. You can give them a call at eight three three eight five zero baby. All right, eight three three eight five zero baby, and donate right over the phone. They answer the phones twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So you can go ahead and call right now. Okay, we appreciate you folks doing this. We do. Let's uh, let's save some babies' lives. Isn't that a great legacy to have in your family or in your business? That uh, all those abortions were stopped. So, eight three three eight five zero baby. Give them a call as we kind of wind down this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John and Roger, Neil, myself, Bob. We're talking about college and whether it's worth it and the spiritual risks, the spiritual dangers involved here. And you know, Roger, it does seem to me that at an absolute minimum, as parents, okay, certainly, yes, our, the primary responsibility falls with us. There is no doubt. So just you know, parents are kidding themselves if they think, oh, hey, I'll just drop my kids off at school, drop my kids, for that matter, drop my kids off at church, okay, and, and let somebody else raise them. No, it is your responsibility first and foremost. We're in total agreement with that. Uh, but uh, if we're if a Christian parent is going to send their kid to college, I tell you what, Roger, those kids have got to be prepared. And I'm talking about sitting down and telling them point blank, here's what you're going to hear. Here's what you're going to see. Let me prepare you. And these are the lies that you're going to be told. Don't fall for it. And there's going to be times where, look, I've even said this to my kids, Roger, and they didn't go to college, but I still told them, look, you get out there in the workforce, you get out in the world, you talk with your teenage friends. I'm telling you, you're going to hear things that are like, Wow, that seems to make sense. While I wonder if mom and dad are right after all, while I wonder if this whole Christianity thing is true, you're going to hear arguments that sound like they're really, really good arguments, okay? You need to talk to mom and dad about that. You need to be willing to, don't don't just keep that stuff a secret to yourself, okay? You talk with us about it because I guarantee you there's an answer to something that seems like what we're believing is false. Uh, And so, Talk about the need for that, Roger, how important it is that we prepare our kids for what they're going to face if we are going to let them get out there into college. 
You know, it's interesting uh, as a now uh, bonus parent of a daughter with different needs or special needs. One of the things that I've talked, I've learned quickly in three and a half years, you know, being with Lisa, is that uh, there are certain things you do with a child who is in a situation like that. Our daughter Ryan will be 25 in December, but uh, she has, uh, you know, limited capacities in certain areas and other places where things are going great. One of the things that we learned that I learned recently was you don't don't stop asking yes no questions. If you mm-hmm. want to draw them into conversation, make sure that you ask a question that requires an answer. Because Ryan right. is very verbal when she wants to be, but she doesn't always want to be th- that way. You know, I, I've seen these studies before. I think Columbia University did one a few years ago, uh, talking about the importance of mealtime together as a family. How many families actually take meals together? And I often wondered, because my, my mom and dad both worked. My dad had a myriad of jobs. He had a pretty heavy, involved day job. And then he was also choir director at our church. He did directed local civic light opera groups. That's his real passion. But, you know, I, I thought about growing up, well, why is it that our family stayed better connected? We didn't have some of the issues that other families did. And I look back and realize we took a meal together every day. We had dinner six nights a week together, and then Sunday morning, we always had breakfast together, sometimes Saturday morning. And even just there, being there and having the interaction, having the conversation, that's where you have the, a great opportunity to engage in dialogue. Bob, like you said, I mean, the, the, the conversations that a lot of parents want to have is, oh, good. Well, I mean, my kids are of that age where we should be having the talk or the dialogue about sex. I'm so glad we have a good youth group and our youth pastor will do a really great job. With <laughs> right. That. You know, so no way. I mean, for the really heavy conversations, whether it's about drugs or alcohol, or sex, I'm sure all of us look back and say, man, I could have done that differently. I could have done that one more effectively. You know, we, uh, the, the worst phrase you ever want to have to utter is I didn't see that coming. But mm-hmm. it's our job as parents, and it is way tougher now for parents than it was when we were raising our kids, than when our parents were raising us. It's way tougher to be out in front of the culture. I think this may be the first or second generation of parents that can't outrun the culture because of technology. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, people you see these memes on social media. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, our smartphone was we just got out and rode bikes for four hours. And, you know, the, the call home wasn't mom. It was the street light coming on. And, you know, at, we, it was mm-hmm. a simpler time back then. It's yeah. not that way now. And so right. this is, you know, we have to be more intentional. You have to be more directional in terms of the types of conversations you're having with your kids and your grandkids, because if they don't get that with you, they are certainly not going to get that in academia. Absolutely. You know, as we kind of wind down this uh, podcast, John, I want to toss it over to you for our, our last couple of minutes. I want to get your take on something that is not really the the spiritual Russian roulette that we've been talking about here, but it's just another aspect of something going on in colleges. And I'd love to get uh, your take on this. It seems to me that liberal left-wing academia is not doing any favors for the kids in college by teaching them to be thin-skinned snowflakes and wrapping them in bubble wrap and isolating them in safe spaces from anything that might offend them. Because uh, if a conservative is invited to speak on campus, we know what happens. The The liberals get so upset there that the, that has to be canceled, the cancel culture. But but here's what happens, uh, John. These, uh, these kids, they're in their protective bubbles in college and then they get out into the real world mm-hmm. and they realize, wait a minute here, I actually have to learn to work with and interact with Trump supporters, conservatives, Republicans, pro-lifers, people that believe in biblical creation, born-again evangelical Christians, people that don't think global warming is a real serious danger or threat. In other words, there's this whole 
other half of the uh, of the world view of existence out there that I've been insulated from, and now I got to go out there and work for these people, uh, work, uh, supervise these people, uh, hire these people, uh, contract with them. Mm-hmm. To uh, I have to I have to learn. To, I have to be a salesperson and sell to them. Or in other words, they have to figure out now how to interact and how to work with the diversity of viewpoints that they've been protected from yep. in the colleges. And I would argue these kids are, are being very ill-equipped and ill-served for the real world out there from liberal left-wing academia. We've got a couple minutes left, and no. I'd love to get your take on that. Can't disagree, and it's also why we've now got this entire cancel culture to help fix, Bob, what you just talked about, because if you can cancel all of that for these right. kids that are now coming out of school, well, now life is that much easier for Yeah, them. let's so extend the this, bubble around that's everything. That's exactly right. right. All we're doing, uh, eventually reality still has to set in for these folks, and they have to understand what life's all about, and you're right. The colleges, the schools, and, and granted, even a lot of the Christian schools. I know Neil and Bob both talked, or Neil and Roger both talked about that. Reality is that this is not a one-sided coin. Folks, you have got to do your due diligence on where your kids are going to school and even what you're teaching them at home with your homeschool material. The reality is it is still up to you. It, that it absolutely is. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a very interesting discussion. It has, and I would just encourage everybody out there, parents, if you're wondering what to do regarding your kids in college, okay, First of all, pray about it. Seek wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Uh, And colleges are not the same as they were a generation ago. They're not. So it takes a lot of prayer, a lot of, and if your kids do go to college, prepare them, be involved, know what they're learning, keep the lines of communication open. And to Roger and Neil's point earlier, it's absolutely true. Uh, the conversation doesn't start happening once they're 17 and scouting colleges, okay? This is uh, from from the time that they can comprehend conversation uh, from little children all the way up through. Make sure that uh, that they are seeing that your house really is, first and foremost, a house devoted to serving the Lord. So, a uh, very interesting discussion. We appreciate all of you folks listening to us. Remember, you can catch previous episodes of this podcast as well by going to CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Stitcher Podcast, Apple Podcast, TuneIn, wherever you listen to them. Hey, we welcome your five-star reviews. Thank you for those. If you want to watch video of these podcast episodes, you can do that at MyHopeNow.com. And Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of the bottom line for the People's Republic of California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to next week. Always great. Likewise. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Bob. You bet. Thanks. We'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn. Saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.